everyone, and welcome back to the Going Coastal podcast, the podcast of the Students and New Professionals chapter of the American Shore and Beach Preservation Association and hosted by the American Shoreline Podcast Network. I'm one of your co-hosts, Marissa Torres. And I'm your other co-host, John Miller. Now, if you're a frequent listener of this podcast, which at least a small handful of you are, You'll know that we have some running themes or topic areas that we like to bring forward and highlight throughout the year, such as our coastal policy-focused discussions and our student research spotlight series. Well, this month's theme is focused on professional development, and our topic of discussion today is on mentorship, the importance of mentorship in professional and even your personal life. Now, joining us to talk about his perspective and experience with mentorship, someone who I have come to know as my own mentor, colleague, and friend is Matt Millay, a research mathematician at the Coastal and Hydraulics Lab of the U.S. Army Engineer Research and Development Center. So welcome, Matt. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Marissa. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Welcome. Well, we always love to get started with learning more about you. What's your story, uh, your academic, professional uh, life from, you know, how'd you get here? <laughs> Thanks. That's, uh, my wife says I like to talk a lot, so be careful with these questions, but I'll, I'll try to get us rolling. Um, like you said, well, let's start professionally, perhaps, the most recent. Um Professionally speaking, I've been, as you said, a um, researcher at the U.S. Army Engineer Research and Development Center, Coastal Hydraulics Laboratory, for almost 12 years. Wow, time's flying fast. Um, where I happen to lead a interdisciplinary group of scientists and engineers working on an array of problems, specifically in numerical wave modeling in support of civil works and military engineering missions, things like uh, storm and flood risk management. But I've also had an opportunity to work um, in with, with some of our other sister laboratories, in particular um, the uh, Code Regents Research and Engineering Lab, as well as the Information Technology Lab. In both laboratories, I've served as an associate technical director. Um, in, in terms of uh, research and development efforts, more from a programmatic point of view, um, as well as program development, as well as inward facing, which, which is probably a big part of who I am now in terms of developing people, helping others grow, helping the research uh, come to fruition, the research ideas. Um, academically speaking, I've gotten my um, bachelor's, master's, and PhD all at the same university. Uh, not too far from you, John, at the uh, New Jersey Institute of Technology. So in New Jersey, I lived a good part of my life, nearly two decades in New Jersey. Um, so I do miss it quite a bit. Um, my uh, degrees were pretty much all in mathematics, applied in computational math with emphasis in nonlinear ocean waves, scientific and high performance computing. Um, on a personal note, I was born in a different country. I came to U.S. when I was 13. I was born in Poland. Um, I have a uh, six-year-old son and the uh, seven-year-old German Shepherd, Bella, as well as uh, a beautiful wife who's right now babysitting my six-year-old. So that hopefully gives you a bit background. That's great. I actually had on my uh, – I knew you were from NJIT, so I actually had a, a fun question 
Right? I said, yeah, we got to ask him, how did he become so successful graduating from a school like NJIT? Since that's one of our competitors, but just kidding. NJIT is a great, uh, a, a great school. Who, um, uh, it's always nice to meet somebody else from New Jersey as well. So who did you work with at uh, NJIT? Anybody in particular? So, yeah, yeah, good question. NJIT actually has grown tremendously after I graduated. So I don't know if that's good or bad, but overall, I think that's great. I was in the applied math department, so uh, quite reputable and, and, and strong department academically and also uh, research. So I've worked with uh, Professor Young Choi focusing on nonlinear surface waves there during my PhD track. Yeah, we're doing a lot more work with them nowadays. Um since Sandy, they've developed a quite strong coastal presence here in, in New Jersey. So it's a lot of great professors there, including Mike, Mich- Michelle Buffadel, um, who leads their sort of hydrodynamics group there now. So uh, definitely expanded greatly since the time that you were there. Indeed, indeed. I was just, uh, I was there, what, about a year ago, not seeing the place for several years. And the infrastructure uh, has changed tremendously. I was um, actually happy to visit. Um, I was fortunate enough to be selected as their distinguished alumni. So um, a fun, fun experience and then really awesome to see the old buildings become brand new and all the money being pumped into it. So it's good stuff. It's always great to hear. You know, we need that. Um, so at NGIT, you spent all of your academic career at this location. So I, you know, from the time that you started to the time that you left, what were probably like the biggest differences? Um, and I guess, you know, when did uh, did you have a, a mentor? Like, was your first experience with mentorship at NGIT or did that come later? Yeah, good question. Um, from the time that I started, it's well, a little over 20 years ago. So time flies um, quickly. Um, in the context of mentors, um, that's a that's always a tough one because a lot of these things happen organically if they do, um, and quite frankly, it took uh, a good number of years after my graduation for me to figure out that those things don't always have to happen organically. In other words, you don't have to wait necessarily for people to come to you and say, "Hey." I got something for you, or can I give you some feedback? In other words, you can actually go out and, and solicit. You can find something you like or you you enjoy, you find fascinating in the other person and say, hey, would you be interested in being my mentor? I like how you do X, Y, and Z. So that's uh, the light bulb went off in that category for me quite late in my life and, you know, better. Uh, it's good that it happened, you know, later, uh, well, at all. But I wish it happened sooner because organically, to kind of answer your question, Marissa, um, I don't think I've had really early on in my career any mentors. And maybe with an exception of one or two professors, one in particular, um, Professor David Harntrop, who's uh, an amazing individual who actually cared about students uh, as human beings um, to, to a large extent and did not mind spending hours and hours on a conversation and was a great listener, right? A lot of times in the context of mentoring, it's not just about what you say and how you say, but also how good of an active listener are you, right? Is the other side listening to you? That's so true. That's very true. 
I have a question for you. So you, you, you received all your degrees from NJIT, and I think that sometimes that's not as typical. Um, and I, I honestly, as a professor, I also struggle with um, the idea of having really exceptional students, never wanting to let them go. Um, I just recently graduated somebody that had their bachelor's, master's, and PhD all from Stevens. Um, you know, in terms of your experience, do you, how do you, you think it was a positive thing that all of your degrees came from NJIT? Would you suggest for any students and you, you know, any young students that are out there listening, maybe switching it up and going to a different graduate school versus undergraduate? Um, how, how do you feel about that? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question, John. And I think the word around town is that you are normally su- supposed to go to another university for your graduate degree. Um, that's what everybody suggested to you, right? This was one of those things that you want to have a different perspective. You want to have a different experience um, than what your undergraduate offered. In fact, I've had different opportunities to go to different PhD schools, and I, at the end, for an array of reasons, ended up staying in New Jersey, where I was. Um, I think it depends. Um, if your graduate school is something you're looking for, and uh, has something to offer for you, um, including professional and personal development, and you have that personal relationship um, with the person, with the individual, uh, that's your uh, academic advisor or, or several of them, um, it's not a bad thing at all. Um, I, if, if your work speaks for itself, being at one university versus two or three, I'm not sure honestly it makes that much of a difference these days. So if you didn't have really an early career mentor at NGIT, when did you first get uh, involved in a mentor-mentee relationship? Yeah. Um, trying to think first time. Um, some of these mentor-mentee relationships were kind of put upon me. And when I'm saying put upon me it was because i participated in different leadership development programs across the u.s army enterprise including uh, leadership development programs that was a two-year program and recently a three-year leadership uh, program called the lg emerging leaders group and in those circumstances you're paired up with a mentor uh, so you weren't necessarily generically looking. They didn't happen organically. You, you kind of were paired up, right? And and some of these things are good. Some of them not so great. So it depends who you get and, and what your rapport is with that individual. So I, I want to say probably early on, my mentors came from a formal program. And perhaps more importantly, I realized that it's a bit of a two-way street because not only is the mentor going to help you learn and develop, but you also can um, help them grow too, ironically. So I've, um, I've always been, um, let me say, a builder. <laughs> That's one of my identities, right? Whether we're looking at some of these uh, personality profiles. Uh, I do enjoy building people, letting, helping them grow. So um, I've honestly, uh, probably my initial experience of mentoring was actually mentoring others as opposed to being mentored myself. So if that makes sense. So I have a question. Uh, having been involved 
in a number of mentor-mentee relationships on both sides. I think one of the things that I find is that the hardest thing is really to sustain it. Um, I think everybody sort of conceptually recognizes the value of that mentor-mentee relationship. And it always seems like a great idea to get that started. How do you find, how do you sustain it over the long term, though? How do you, uh, and, and is it necessary, I guess, to sustain it over the long term to make it more effective? Yeah, I'm not sure if every mentor-mentee relationship needs to be sustained over a long period of time. Um, I oftentimes say to those who are looking for mentors is that, hey, find something that this individual uh, possesses and, and, and see if you can learn from them. And that may very well be a single meeting. Uh, that may be multiple meetings, quarterly meetings. Um, and quite frankly, this may be one of those that uh, you just um, – you know, run into somebody once a year kind of thing. So um, I, I believe this has to have some flexibility uh, on both sides um, because there's a limited number of things the individual can teach or help the other person. So sustaining it and is, is a bit of a question mark for me. I think if it, again, I'm using that word over and over, but if organically and generically it happens to flow and there is something you can get out of that relationship forward from both sides, I think, honestly, uh, it's it just going to happen. Um, it's also important that on the, on the side of the mentee, um, the individual has some initiative, right? They're a little bit more proactive into what is it that I want to learn? What is it that I want to develop? What are my objectives and goals? And and they take action uh, in terms of setting up meetings, uh, timelines, they have an agenda. Maybe they send uh, the mentor specific things ahead of time so they have time to digest and maybe think about what it is they want to um, discuss. So um, if that helps, perhaps, you know, if, if, if there is something on the table, you can continue moving forward in the mentor-mentee relationship. And if it's not, it's okay as well, right? It's okay. Yeah. So I would definitely say with this talk of organically, um, you know, I'm also, as also a part of the um, Engineer Research and Development Center, I've participated in some of these leadership development programs, just that first two-year uh, program that Matt mentioned. And I would say that, you know, there are some tools and some uh, tips, tricks, methods, um, kind of taking the time to reflect. Uh, and, and some things were beneficial, but others, it's most of the meat, I feel like, what's going to stick out of a, out of a professional development standpoint is is finding that someone um, or someone's where you do want to learn. And I feel that, um, you know, in my personal mentor, mentee-ish, or as a mentee, essentially to Matt, that kind of happened organically. We were just kind of started, became colleagues, started working together, and I'm learning from him how to do these things. We're working on projects, and I wanted to start taking the lead on some things, and that naturally progressed into Matt helping me with, you know, develop the skill sets that I needed, how to navigate the work environment, um, what, you know, just kind of helping me walk through those steps. Uh, and it was like amazing. Like that's like not, not everybody gets that experience. And 
so one, just very grateful uh, for that experience for sure, because there are a lot of, you know, struggling junior level uh, researchers or just like new professionals that maybe don't have that someone to help them get started, help them get off their feet. They're kind of all struggling um, with that. So I jump in and I'm going to flip the script a little bit and maybe ask Matt something that I didn't, he probably didn't think he was going to get asked about in this interview. So I apologize if this is coming as a bit of a surprise, but um, I think it relates to kind of developing and cultivating sort of young talent and relates back to the mentorship um, theme. You know, I, I think, Matt, when I was reading up on your background, I saw that you're one of your other things that you're passionate about is soccer and coaching soccer. And I think that's something that we share myself. Uh, I coach basketball and I find that there's a lot of commonalities between mentor-mentee relationships, you know, professionally, but also kind of how you're dealing with, um, in my case, young basketball players and perhaps in your case, uh, soccer players. So I'm just wondering, you know, and, you know, talk a little bit maybe about that side of your, uh, uh, I guess your personality or or your, uh, and and does it relate at all to the mentor-mentee relationship? Yeah, yeah, definitely, John. I think, all of these uh, areas are related, right? Yes, I do have a big part of my life is is, is coaching soccer. Um, actually, when we talked about NJIT, I was a former player. I played for NJIT and then after a couple of injuries, decided to go to grad school or however it happened. Ultimately, um, I do uh, I have coached soccer for 15 plus years. Uh, on various levels, whether it's a club, um, even recently collegiate, uh, on a state level, Olympic development program and regional level. And I'm also a coaching instructor with U.S. Soccer Federation. Um, so there is a lot of this knowledge passing and empowering others, uh, whether it's 22 players on the field or however many are in your squad, uh, whether it's an individual within a team, um, whether it's a coach. Uh, nowadays, I... Uh, I'm a coaching coach educator with the uh, U.S. Soccer Fe- uh, Federation. So I kind of connect with players multiplied by however many coaches I connect with. So a big part of uh, mentoring and, and guiding and, and teaching and, and facilitating the sort of the growth process uh, is, all, is all related, right, in every discipline, whether it's scientific engineering, whether it's sports, um, you know, people are people, right? So... Ultimately, you need to know um, who is in front of you. you. You need to know how they learn, what motivates them, I think, uh, in order for this uh, relationship to grow, whether it is you coaching 10 players, whether you co- you have one person that you're mentoring, you really need to get to know them as an individual before you uh, you move forward in a, in a professional relationship. Uh, and in that context, um, it's important to know where that person wants to be, right? We often say, um, hey, you know, mentor is developing per- people, but you need to know uh, who they want to be developed into, right? Where are they going? What are their goals and aspirations? And you need to be mindful of that. That was great. That, that was awesome. Uh, I think I think you're a little bit younger than me, but I, uh, I also played soccer at Stevens. And uh, I remember our uh, interactions with NJIT were not very good on our end. NJIT always managed to beat us, um, but that's okay. 
I think that's where I was kind of, you know, I was hoping this this would, would lead a little bit because it relates back to Marissa's, um, I guess, experience as the mentee in the, the relationship and, you know, just thinking about the sports analogy in general and just that idea of, um, you know, you know, talented individuals, you know, whether they're professionally coastal engineers or athletically, just never reaching their full potential because they haven't had the right type of guidance. And I think just to relate back to what you said earlier about being an active listener, kind of understanding the person and where they want to go and, and, and needing to understand that in order to be able to, to provide effective mentorship. I think that all ties back together just, just wonderfully. Adding to the list of, you know, active listening and understanding the person, what other qualities uh, in, that you've noticed either about yourself or through these programs that you've been able to take within your organization, what are some other qualities that make a good mentor? Um, yeah, good question. Um, I think we talked about a few of them already, but just to put put them maybe in a, in a bullet sense, I think um, first and foremost, you have to care personally. Um, in other words, I, I always say you can't fake caring about people. Um, and if you're not genuine, uh, it comes out. People can tell very easily. Um, in fact, I've had uh, mentor-mentee relationships where it was um, somewhat expected of the other person to uh, to help me grow, uh, or maybe it was uh, they were put in that role because of uh, certain expectations from the higher up and didn't really work out. Um, so I think, again, first and foremost, you have to care about the other side, right? As, a, as an individual, you have to like that interaction. Um, I've said earlier that I'm a builder. I actually like seeing other people grow. Um, that's an important piece. Um, you have to be able to actively listen to not just what the individual says, but how they say it. Um, you know, that emotional intelligence side a little bit, because a big percent of uh, what we say is verbal, about a even bigger percent of that is nonverbal, right? And with the technology these days, many of us meeting online, not having face-to-face contact, that's sometimes difficult to gauge where the other person is. Um, but another thing I would say is important for a mentor is to um, suggest things. For example, say things along the lines of, hey, you might want to consider X or hey, it might be good for you to look into, see if this fits you. Um, a lot of your feedback, um, I oftentimes say feedback is a gift or is a, is a Christmas gift or a Christmas sweater, and I kind of laugh at it, but um, that sweater that you got from uh, somebody under the Christmas tree, if it fits you, it looks great, you say thank you, you wear it. And if it doesn't, if it's not you, if it doesn't fit, you still say thank you and you hide it in the attic and, and eventually maybe get rid of it and uh, that kind of thing. Um, so I think what's also important for a good mentor is that before they give feedback, uh, it's important for them to solicit feedback, right? And on both ends, it's not just the mentee that will come to you and say, hey, give me some feedback or on, on how am I doing on this or that. But it's also important for the mentor to ask for feedback, you know, asking things along the lines of uh, say, Hey, is this working for you? Um, is are you know, is the message correct? Uh, am I missing anything? So it's, it's important to make sure that it's a two way street. 
Well, that that's that's that sounds awesome. Um, you know, I, I think uh, right now you're really selling Erdic <laughs> here with this idea of mentorship. Um, I wouldn't go that you know, far. I, I, I can't. <laughs> well, I'm sitting here, you know, thinking, you know, most people. Uh, well, a lot of people might uh, envision that sort of mentor-mentee relationship is more of almost on the academic side, right? So when you're in graduate school, you have that great relationship with your advisor. And, you know, the the way that Matt is describing that relationship, um, you know, it's sort of the ideal advisor-advisee relationship on the academic side. And, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, to, to hear that, you know, a similar type of uh, mentor-mentee relationship is being developed at Erdic. I think it's a great uh, it's a great selling point for Erdic. Yeah, thanks, John. Um, yeah, what I would add to this is, I think any organization um, has its pros and cons, and even though some organizations do better than others in the context of mentoring um, or having a culture of mentoring, because I oftentimes will tell folks, uh, and I'm a firm believer that uh, culture eats strategy for breakfast. That if you have the culture of mentoring, um, it will it will spread, right? It will uh, it will make others uh, take ownership of this effort. They will uh, do their part in mentoring others. Um, so even if perhaps the culture is in there, you yourself as an individual, as a small group, you can actually start a bit of a, a paradigm shift and a culture movement in the context of mentoring. You don't always have to have the senior leaders within an organization do all the mentoring and it has to be a top-down mentality. You can very much do this uh, in the context of your own team. A person that's a colleague of yours, an individual that's a direct report, or the people immediately right above you, right? So, um, and, and honestly speaking, John, I think you mentioned the whole idea of a mentor always being somewhat senior to the individual. And that's somewhat what I thought over the years, too. But up until some time ago, a few years ago, I've had a colleague who I think, honestly, I thought of this individual being even somewhat senior to me. This individual felt like I had something to offer to him. And they asked me bluntly, hey, do you want to be my mentor? Because I'd like to learn from you this, this, and that. So that's a, that was a bit of a shocker for me, too. But a light bulb went off specifically that, one, you don't have to necessarily um, – wait for those individuals to become your mentors you can uh, go out and approach them and two they don't always have to be senior in everything they can be a colleague and, and quite frankly i have colleagues who i have great uh, discussions on, on the subject of mentoring and many of whom uh, have told me uh, amazing things and have given me feedback on things that have resonated uh, for years with me and have brought on a lot of change for me personally yeah i think the um you know, that goes back to some of that uh, discussion earlier about, you know, the openness and willingness to kind of listen as well as to, um, uh, to talk to people, um, willingness to not, not necessarily accept criticism, but to, um, uh, set, accept advice, right? Sometimes a lot of times we, we end up, especially when we get to senior positions, we, we sometimes might think of ourselves as above, uh, above that, but having that willingness and openness to, uh, approach somebody uh, perhaps that is junior to you um, and listen. Um, I think that's that's huge. 
Um, I liked what you said about the culture um, and developing the culture. Uh, and that's really important. Um, you know, in your experience, um, either at Erdic or before, prior to Erdic, um, you know, I imagine that as a mentor, you've learned um, and you, you've evolved. You ha- you're not the same type of mentor that you were when you first started. So are there any uh, like lessons learned or um, how has your thinking evolved as you've gone deeper into mentor-mentee relationships? Yeah, good point there, John. Certainly, I think we, we have to have um, a good connection within ourselves. In other words, you have to be able to uh, check in with yourself from time to time and, and see where you are individually, um, not just uh, be on the lookout for people, for others, because we have our own levels of uh, battery and, and we need to consider recharging our batteries too. Uh, and that sometimes means that we ourselves need a mentor. Um, and then quite often uh, that, that always uh happens generically um sometimes it's it's a person who you least expect it but in a context of um evolving over the course of months and years as a mentor um it's important to um to be able to self-reflect right um a lot of times the way you say things don't always come out the way you want it to and maybe that's pretty much because um uh, the, the situation demanded a little bit more um, subtlety. Uh, perhaps the emotions in the room weren't really um, gauged properly, or the other side is not uh, not ready to listen. And quite frankly, you need to be also self-aware um, of your own emotions too, right? Like, like we talk about often about the circle of how my emotions um, will will impact my actions and in turn my actions will impact your emotions and your emotions will impact your actions and so on so on cyclically so the message here john i think is 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 important to to check in uh from time to time check the level of your own battery and be able to take a break and seek out mentors of your own uh, not just uh, mentor others uh, but also uh, ultimately uh be a person that's, uh, that has a bit of a growth-based mindset, right? Uh, you can learn a lot about yourself and, and how you interact. And just as you know, in the academic setting, learning the material in a basic classroom setting helps. But then when you go out and you teach the material, so to speak, for lack of a better term, you, you really uh, learn it well yourself. So continue to surf, self-reflect uh, and stay humble, right? Stay humble, stay vulnerable, uh, because you can learn every day from every single individual that's around you. Very, very true. So a question that we actually, I think, usually ask early on of our guests, but uh, I don't know that we got to it with you earlier. Um, one of the things that we try to do is is sort of increase awareness of the coastal field in general, whether it's as a research mathematician, as a coastal engineer, coastal management professional, um, because there sometimes is a lack of awareness related to kind of what we do. Um, how did you first become aware of a career path in the coastal field? Yeah, so I think it kind of happened by accident, to be honest, because I um, I studied mathematics. I, I enjoyed the applied part of it. Um, I started getting into fluid dynamics and nonlinear waves in the context of uh, deep water ocean waves, specifically the idea of these rogue and freak waves. So I enjoyed the applied part. 
Um, I ended up in my probably third year of PhD studies uh, going for um, somewhat of a uh, contracting assignment. There wasn't much of an internship, but more of a a five-month job at a naval research lab. Um, And I um, started now learning more on the application side of, okay, waves are not just waves in terms of energy being conserved, and it looks like a wave. It has some other uh, ways of trying to uh, manifest itself, whether it's true or not. And and then I ended up working, taking a job with... um, Coastal Hydraulics Lab at Erdic, where most of my work ended up being in a nearshore, where uh, waves themselves uh, are quite different and the processes are different. Um, so there was a big learning curve for me. It was no longer sufficient for things to be conserved on the energy level. I had to, uh, your answers had to make sense. I had to have a lot of plausibility. So I had to learn a lot more about the coastal processes um, than I've had the background in. But quite frankly, um, it, it was a pretty smooth path. I, I would argue oftentimes it's harder to go the other way. If you're a coastal engineer, coastal uh, researcher, having that rigorous mathematical background or numerical background or affinity for wanting to develop numerical models and code and actually understand equations and derive them, it's much harder to, to grow uh, as, a, as a professional when you're coming from the other side. So I do value different perspectives, um, and I would argue that uh, it's important to have good interdisciplinary groups of individuals that you work with, that you surround yourself. And, and, and honestly, I think our group, my group directly, folks that I work with represents a good mixture of those backgrounds. For sure. That whole, you know, having that background and the mathematics being completely rooted in it is definitely something if I could do it all over again, like from bachelor's. I would 100% major in math and physics and then in for a master's program specialized in that applied math and physics realm. So so going into ocean engineering from there, I, yep, I would definitely do it again uh, in a heartbeat. Just that foundation is so much stronger uh, with what you're actually doing. And, you know, in an engineering curriculum that things can be easily missed or overlooked when you're not in a math or physics specific uh, program. I feel like um, you might lose a lot in there. But also, if I had to go back and do it again, I, you know, knowing what I know now, you know, the, the importance of mentorship, especially starting so being able to start early, um, maybe starting with that emotional intelligence, being able to understand yourself first and what you need and how you interact with the world and then seeking knowledge from mentors uh, or seeking a mentor to satisfy a certain um, gap that you feel that's missing, whether it's technical and knowledge or personable skills or, uh, and the like. But so I'm wondering, you know, where we've been talking about some programs that we've had available, like to Matt and I specifically within our organization, but those, these types of leadership development opportunities might not be available at every university or, uh, in the community where students are studying that might not be offered. So I guess I'm wondering if there are any 
tools, resources, you know, kind of where to start if maybe you don't have access to a developed uh, leadership curriculum like we've had in our organization? Like how do, where should students start? Maybe at the undergrad, at the graduate level, what uh, what kind of tools would you recommend or or point them to to get started with mentorship? Yeah, good question, Marissa. Um, a bit of a loaded one, but I'll uh, I'll give you some of my thoughts. Um, specifically to me, um, I mentioned earlier that one of my big identities I'm a, I'm a builder, but I'm also a learner. I like to constantly learn. I'm fascinated by learning whether it is specific to my main vocational role, whether it's, uh, as John mentioned earlier, coaching soccer, or recently learning how to smoke meat, getting a smoker and doing all these other fancy things, like um, even my wife and I recently doing sourdough bread. So anyway, the point is that if you do want to learn something about yourself, um, there's ton of resources out there now, right? Online, there's gazillion things. Outside of uh, enrolling into specific leadership programs um, in different forums, uh, there, there's ton of books, and, and there are many I could recommend. And um, for for personal development, for um, for things like leadership, knowing yourself, there are these uh, formal things that you could find out. What uh, what sort of a person you are? If you if you don't have a good grasp, you want some formal guidance. Whether it's a Myers Briggs personality test or what motivates me, there's all these other resources online that can kind of help you delineate some of your strengths and natural propensities in terms of career options, or as well as some of the icebergs, right? Some of the things that you might not be well aware of. Um, such as, uh, for example, getting a 360. I don't know if you've heard of it. Uh, one of those uh, evaluations or feedbacks from people uh, within 360 degrees of you, meaning those that are um, your colleagues, those that you report to, your direct reports, everybody can give you feedback. And, and quite frankly, uh, those can be quite insightful because you can learn a lot about yourself. Um, so if... if if you're willing to learn, um, if you if you're willing to open up and understand that um, fail stands for first attempt in learning, as I often say, um, and you have again that growth-based mindset that no matter what you try, it's not the end. Um, you can learn, you can improve, you can reflect upon it. Uh, a lot of this thing, these things are can be done in an informal setting without, again, enrolling into any specific uh, leadership program through your organization. Yeah, anytime, John. Anytime. Minus uh, minus the snow because um, you know I've I've happened to live in Mississippi after grad school for eight years, and there you have six months of heat, and then I traded that for New Hampshire. So six months of heat turned into six months of snow. So you got to do like the snow if you come up here in the winter time. Well, I'm excited to come 
up to New Hampshire now and try some smoked meat and uh, talk more mentorship. <laughs> That's true. Even though it's November and it was like 75 degrees yesterday. Yeah, global warming, right? It's like I had to put the sweaters away for the weekend. It's just not cool, man. <laughs> So, yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, some of these Myers-Briggs, some of these, you know, external tools and resources that folks who are interested in getting involved in mentorship um, will first lear learning about themselves and then potentially seeking some gaps from their either friends, colleagues, uh, folks above them as well. And you can do that at any stage. So whether you're an undergrad, whether you're a grad student, whether you're a new professional, um, relatively new professional like myself, there's always an opportunity to grow and learn something from everybody. Um, you know, you can, everybody has, or what's, what's that phrase? Uh, you can learn something from anybody, you know, um, person on the street, person sitting across the hall from you kind of thing. So from your perspective and throughout your experience, Matt, what is the value and importance of mentorship and being a mentor and or being a mentee, what has it played in, how has it affected your life and your career? Yeah, um, for sure. I think it's, it's important. Um, it, it's likely undervalued. Um, we, we oftentimes remember those people who had an impact in our lives early on, uh, whether it's a teacher in school, obviously parents. Uh, we don't always remember what they said, but and even how they said it, but we oftentimes remember how they made us feel, right? So that's an important piece of mentoring, too. Uh, we talk about formal mentoring in the context of some specific skills, whether it's for career, but it's also uh, the mental side that's important. A lot of times we need somebody to listen. Uh, a lot of times we need somebody to just uh, help us to um, get back up on our feet. Um, sometimes we're stressed, we're overwhelmed, we've got too much on our plate and we need another individual to just give us a pat on the back and say, Hey, it's okay. I've been there. It's, it's, it's all understood, you know, take that breather, go home, you know, shut down for the day, for the night, whatever it is you need. Um, I mentioned earlier, checking in with yourself is important, right? But in the context of mentoring and, um, and mentee mentor relationship, um, that's a platform where um, an individual can help you get to places uh, where you potentially could have not gone yourself, or maybe it would have taken you a lot longer. Um, and, and for organizations like ours, uh, a role of a mentor can also be somewhat of a sponsor, right? And I'm using that word uh, in the in the sense of somebody sponsoring you or being your um sounding board or somebody who's simply going to advocate for you when time comes for promotion, a person who knows you more, uh, whether an individual who will speak on your behalf or be in certain meetings um, that can say things that help your project, that can help your career go along, uh, because a lot, of a lot of mentoring can be done uh, indirectly, right? It's not always what we say, how we say, at what moment. Sometimes it's, it's about also what we don't say, right? So um, again, the importance of mentorship, I feel, is very understated. Uh, it's an effort. Um, it, it takes considerable amount of effort uh, and thought. 
Um, so not everyone's interested in honestly doing it or doing a good job at it. But I feel like if something like this is worth doing, it's worth doing it right. Because we all, whether whether we believe it or not, but we all will have or have had many opportunities to be a mentor, right? Uh, to impact someone, um, to, to help the other individual, whether it's through a five-minute conversation or 37 meetings throughout a month. Okay, I'm exaggerating, but certainly some of those mentor-mentee relationships can be long. So I say you all will have an opportunity to mentor someone. So don't ever miss that opportunity. And I'll, I'll just follow in there. As somebody who is introverted uh, by nature, yeah, now I host a podcast. That's really funny, right? But, but as somebody who has always had more difficulty um speaking up in certain situations, you know, I think, um, as you just said, don't let the opportunity pass you by. And, you know, I, I think it's important to, um, you know, it's everything, a lot of times it can start with a single word, right? You know, like you said, just um, being interested in somebody, just asking how somebody's doing um, doesn't necessarily need to have a formal aspect to it, right? Just being able to initiate that discussion, taking the time to listen to somebody's answer when you ask that question, um, you know, and as somebody who's kind of grown into more of that mentor relationship and it doesn't come naturally, um, sometimes for me, the hardest part was, you know, it's not natural for me to, uh, you know, it's, it's harder for me to initiate that discussion, even as the, you know, I guess the more senior individual, the, you know, the professor or whatever, um, it still doesn't come naturally, right? So sometimes you just, those little words, can really develop that relationship and kind of just get the ball rolling. And then from there, um, you know, uh, things kind of take over. So uh, just wanted to throw that out there for anybody who may be similarly introverted and a little bit unnatural in these circumstances. Um, you can do it just, you know, starts with a single word. Yeah, for sure, John. I think it's a good point. You know, I look at it, again, We meant, I mentioned earlier this Myers-Briggs personality test, right? What letter you are, whether you're an I or an E, extroverted, introverted. And many times we um, we move along that spectrum, right? It's a continuous spectrum. We, depending on a situation, we can jump between an I and an E. Um, but it's one of those things I say is based on where you recharge your batteries, right? If if you feel you're introverted, uh, that doesn't imply you can't talk to people. Um, it, it simply means that oftentimes when you had a long, busy, busy day, um, you need to know yourself, where do you go to relax to get that energy? And for me in particular, myself, that would be at home with family reading a book rather than going to a, uh, a, a big party or, or a local pub or a bar with a lot of people, right? So I'm, I'm definitely uh, with you there, John, on the on the introverted part. So for sure, it doesn't. You don't have to be this individual who is gregarious, who's who's loud and and knows how to get people around them. Very much so. It could be a one-on-one discussion, um, basically asking for help or guidance or, as you said, hey. You look a little down today. Is is everything okay? Right. Those things will get you um, will get you points on this uh, care personally scale, um, and and from there things can actually grow. Excellent sales pitch for mentorship. If anything, this is your main takeaway. I hope you've all made it to this point. This was the most important part of this entire show. 
But so we are getting ready to wrap it up for this episode, but we do have one question that we do ask all of our guests on this show, and that is, what advice would you give to a student or a young professional who is interested in pursuing a career or position similar to yours? Yeah, for sure. A good question. Um, I could think of many things to say. And I guess to keep us in the context of this podcast topic um, of, of mentorship and mentoring, and I think I mentioned it earlier, is that don't wait necessarily for things to happen on their own. Be proactive. Take some ownership in your own development Find individuals who you admire, who have something that you're interested in, whether it's uh, a specific uh, softer skill or harder skill, however we want to frame them, but it's anything that you want to learn or improve or you, you would like to pick up and, and write them an email, uh, send them a message, go talk to them, knock on their door, ask for a minute of their time and say, hey, I really like how you said this, this and that in the meeting. It's something I would really love to learn. Would would you be interested in being my mentor? And things can can go from there. So be proactive. Don't wait. Um, find people you're interested in, in connecting with and, and take the first step. Yes. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your time and your insight. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. Thanks so much for listening to Going Coastal this month. On the topic of mentorship, the Students and New Professionals chapter, um, our new board of directors, kind of, sort of, our chapter committee leaders, uh, we are all looking forward to starting a mentor program as part of SNP. So you'll have something you'll have something to look forward to there. We haven't sorted out the details, but if you're interested in learning more, um, you can check out SNP on LinkedIn and on Facebook, and we'll hopefully have some more details to follow there. The Coastal Summit, the ASBPA Coastal Summit is taking place on March 21st through the 23rd in Washington, D.C. If you haven't already, go check out ASBPA.org to learn more and register. Our next ASBPA National Coastal Conference will take place next October from the 11th to the 13th in Grand Old Providence, Rhode Island. Looking forward to that. Get to return to some stomping grounds and eat some delicious food. And lastly, do you enjoy listening to this podcast? Do you think your company would enjoy sharing their message out to the world and our pool of listeners here in the coastal realm and all types of coastal topics? Well, be seen and heard where it matters. Share your story in top coastal and ocean podcasts and on Coastal News Today. If you're interested in becoming a sponsor, contact Tyler Buckingham at Tyler at coastalnewstoday.com or go to coastalnewstoday.com slash advertising. Mm-hmm.